whistles. Hello, hello. We were just talking about how Alicia is a Leo, and she was like, man, you know, luck better start changing around here. According to my friend, it's supposed to change um, in November. So fingers crossed. Right around the corner. <laughs> I can't claim to know anything about astrology, though. So please don't quiz me. <laughs> me either. I Today, can't really, I, if I don't know if I believe it, because and I'm probably opening a whole, you know, box of worms and people are like, what? Um, because it's so general. It's like, oh, there was some trauma that happened sometime in your life and sometimes it's it's gonna change that's everybody correct um one of my clients was really into astrological charts and she helped me understand some of it so according to her and when i say some i mean very limited still please don't quiz me uh First of all, if you do your astrological chart, you have to have your um, date of birth and your time of birth. Apparently that matters. And then when you do the chart, um, that shows you your future and predicts your life much more than a horoscope can. Horoscopes are very general because they're just based on your sign and not your moon sign or your sun sign or something along those lines, because that has to do with where the moon and the sun were, I guess, at the time of your birth. That's why the time of your birth matters, because whatever that sign is impacts even what kind of Leo you are or what kind of Virgo or whatever. So um, again, don't know all the ins and outs of it, but supposedly that's the way you get the most accurate readings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've also, I'll say I can't believe in it all the way because I've done like psychic readings. So I kind of believe in like the magic and energy and stuff like that. Right. Sometimes the psychics are like, oh, that's completely off. Or, oh, wow. And it, I only, I've gone to, one was like at a Halloween party. So I went and I did my reading and none of it was right. Um, <laughs> but I just went, okay, all right, all right. Your next partner for life is going to be a guy named Andrew or a guy named Lawrence. Oh, and I've, wow. never, I've never dated a guy named Andrew Lawrence. And, and Andrew Lawrence hasn't introduced themselves to me in probably in the last five years. It's like, that was mm. wrong. Um, and then I think she said to, at that time, I was dating an ex or whatever, and I was having a, pro- a trouble problem with him. And I asked her about it, and she went, no, da-da-da-da-da, whatever it was. Then I found out later on, I go, mm, that was wrong. You know, so she was completely wrong. But then I went to a psychic, a person said, hey, you should try her. She's really good. Try, try, try. And kind of like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I felt really peer pressure to do it. So I was like, damn it, why am I spending, like, it was $120. I was like, what the hell am I doing spending this much money? Oh, fine, whatever. So I go. And she blew my mind. I was crying so hard. And I was shaking when I left because the stuff that she says was so crazy good. And it was so right on, right on track about everything. She was like, you know, the thing you've been focusing on, like there was white. I don't know. It was like something about, you know, um, a, a new closet I was thinking about, whatever. She's like, the drawer in the middle doesn't really make sense. And I was like, ah, you know, wow. like, wow. <laughs> about like a drawer in the middle but it it doesn't make sense to me okay so 
I don't think you should focus on it that much. And it doesn't make sense to the whole thing. I literally was like, okay, I be- I'm a believer. I, uh, I, 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 you know, like, I was like, what do I say to this? And then it was just bam. And it's just like blockbuster moment. It was like, bam, bam, bam. You know, she was like hitting me with all these jabs. I was crying like crazy at the end. Oh, that's awesome. I do have a psychic that I've been seeing for like eight years and um, I don't see her frequently let's be clear (laughs) but um she has been very spot on about a lot of things and there's also things that she says that I'm like "Mm." she's either way off or I just don't understand what that meant Mm. so I um I think that I and I don't really know what to think about. I definitely think that some people have more of a connection to spiritual things and understand and can feel energy in a different way and, and maybe even, you know, predict the future. I, I believe that, that those things are possibilities, but I also believe that we're humans doing this stuff. So I don't know that I ever trust anybody completely as far as that's concerned. So therapy is very close to kind of like the spirituality, the spirit world, or you could kind of understand that because you, right? It kind of overlaps a little bit. So saying that you don't necessarily fully believe it, but you do therapy. I don't know. Explain that a little bit. That's really funny. I mean, we we sort of touched on that last podcast because I was saying that I, I wanted to like stay grounded in things and not go down the yeah. spiritual path. But I do feel like that's um, that's changed a little bit. And I've always been very uh, open to talking to clients about spiritual things. And I'm very open to hearing anybody's spiritual beliefs. And I enjoy talking about that kind of thing and bringing it into therapy, like whatever people's belief systems are, because I think it can be helpful. Um but yeah, I do think that that there's been some resistance on my end to like fully 100% buying into anything. Um, and I think that just has to do with my background of, I kind of feel like almost like being indoctrinated into a religion, you know, from a young age, from being a kid growing up in a religion. And not that I feel like it was a cult necessarily or anything like that, but I definitely feel like uh, I was almost like tricked into believing something that I Mm -hmm. definitely don't believe now. So I think that I'm like cautious for that reason. Uh, Like your trauma response for a child. (laughs) Which is so funny because my boyfriend actually is is very religious or like, like in a sense where he really believes in God. But he went to therapy and he's gone to maybe four, maybe six sessions. But he said, ah, it's not really for me. Which is funny because he he he's willing to believe in the spiritual world and all this stuff. But it but the therapy part does make sense. But also maybe he has to continue to find a therapist which really clicks with him. And then after that, it's like, okay, this is what I need, you know? Because I really do believe everybody needs therapy. And to the level of um, you know, issues they have in life, a good check-in with a therapist is or at least a third party that isn't your friend, that isn't your boss, 
that is, it basically has no dependency on you. Like it's, there's no relationship dependency on, oh, is, are they going to accept me or not? It's a very transactional relationship. And the plus side is um, they know nothing about you and no connection to your friend group, family group, whatever, to you, your outside world. So you have the safety of telling this person whatever you want and the transaction and law to say that you have to keep it confidential unless they're hurting themselves. Right. Um, but it's, it's funny when I hear somebody that's religious, that isn't spiritual, spiritual as in like um, into meditation or into, you know, self-care or me time or therapy and things like that. But they're really religious. Yeah, well, there's a lot to say there, but I think uh, the first thing I want to say is I agree completely that you have to find the right therapist. I know myself, I've probably seen seven different therapists. Some of them I only saw once or twice because I was just seeing if I was going to connect with them. Some of them I saw for longer. One of them retired, so <laughs> that was that. Um, but yeah, the, the one that I'm with now, I definitely think is the best fit for me that I've ever had. And I enjoy her the most. Um, but I it, obviously it took me some time to get to her. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely think that that can be a journey in and of itself to find the right fit for you. I think some people get lucky and, and feel that connection that first time, but then other people, not so much. Um and then I think it's awkward, like it feels uncomfortable for people to be like, yeah, I don't really like that person. Like, how do you go about severing that tie? I mean, I make it pretty easy for people. They just don't get on my calendar because <laughs> I don't pressure anybody about appointments, but uh, at least I try not to. Um, okay. okay. That's a really good um, conversation piece. What do you say when you want to break up with your therapist? Do you want, do you ex want to explain it to them or can you just cut it out without an explanation? Would they understand or would you, would you rather want an explanation on the therapist's side? I, um, Ooh, that's a good question. I, unfortunately, I think the answer is it depends. Um, <laughs> if, if somebody just doesn't feel like I'm the right one for them, like first session or second session, it's cool with me if they just don't come back. Like, that's fine. Um, and you know what? Quickly? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what people... Because I haven't gotten explanations from those people. You know? So I just assume that that's what it is. But I don't know. You know? I guess there could be other things going on. Um, and then, as like, from my personal experience, I did um, tell a therapist that I wasn't going to continue. And I don't even remember what reason I gave. And then I also had to give a reason for um, not scheduling my daughter's therapy still. And I think I said something like, um, we're going to start focusing back on school because it was the summertime uh. and we were getting ready to go back to school. And I was like, we're just going to focus on that because we all know that that's going to be a tough transition. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that there's, there was a time when a client got mad at me and she told me that she was mad at me and she told me she was going to go see another therapist. And it, it was definitely, um, you know, hard as a human, like to, to feel that whole rejection thing. 
But of course, my response was um, supportive because I want people to do what is best for them. So, you know, from a personal standpoint, it did hurt a little bit. But um, from a from a professional standpoint, I always want people to do what's best for them. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of clients out there like, oh, well, I I don't want to break up my therapist. I feel bad, but then I'm just going to reduce the amount of time I go when they actually should probably be going more often um or or going regularly and it just actually stunts their growth because they won't it's actually it's actually progressive for them to talk to a therapist and be like hey i don't know if i could you know i don't know if this is the right thing for me or you know what if you don't want to be that mean and maybe you're not there or whatever you could literally just disappear like you said it's okay to just be like oh i got busy oh my school's coming up oh what because the therapist is would want you to progress in your life anyway yeah sometimes I do text people when I haven't seen them in a while and it's not and I'm not trying to pressure anybody I'm just trying to like make sure you're okay like hey y'all right out there yeah we had an um, in-text session last time just making sure you're alive friend yeah um so I do I do do that and when I haven't seen people on my calendar for a while and I'm pretty sure there's nothing wrong I I do reach out to them um there there has been twice this is like I don't know why I'm confessing all of this right now but there has been twice where I was like oh shit did I do something to upset this person is that why they're not coming back and I sent them an awkward text what really were you like um did I say something wrong? I just said like, hey, hope I didn't like scare you off with X, Y, and Z. Uh, but you know, I don't want either way, it's fine. Like, I just wanna I don't even know what the fuck I said, but I said I I think I just probably apologized in case I did something that was offensive or whatever. One of them texted me back and was like, Oh yeah, no, that's not it at all. And then I just still never saw her again. <laughs> And the other one just goes to me completely. <laughs> but that's okay. Whatever your reaction is to get continue for you to get help with somebody else or just continue to get help altogether, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like my boyfriend, the reason why he ended it is because, like, oh, he's like, oh, I don't really know. There's nothing to say. or I, I feel so bored with her or something like that. That's why you find somebody, he's like, oh, it's too much work. Or he's like, nah, I just stopped going. You know, so it actually holds his growth. So I kind of wanted him to be like, all right, what are you looking for? Maybe for the next person, it's kind of, kind of like dating, you know? Because you're going to be telling these people deep, dark secrets of yourself and kind of like work through shame and really, really tough, tough emotional baggage. You want to be comfortable with the person. If you feel like you're judged by the person, like you got to keep moving on until you feel like you're approaching it correctly. I agree. Um. I, I think that I, I am not offended by people feeling like we're not a good match or maybe feeling like it's just not the right time. Or, you know what, there's a thousand reasons why a person could feel any type of way. I guess, um, in, in some circumstances, I thought maybe there was something I did. And so in that case, I wanted to say something about it, but, um, realistically, what you want to tell them it's me not you <laughs> yeah if it was me and sorry um but yeah for the most part 
it's not personal. It really isn't. It's just like meeting friends too. Like sometimes you meet someone and you really like them and you feel like you've known them forever. And then sometimes you meet someone and you really just don't. You're just like, oh yeah, no, I don't think yeah. you're for me. But but also sometimes it takes a while. Like like you and me, you and I took a long time before we actually became friend friends, you know? Like we knew each other for I years. Had I had to eye you out, Julie, because I did not understand the dynamic of what was going on in this in the friend group that we were in. And so I had to to feel out the situation and see if I thought it was safe. And that's what I do with people. Sometimes I will sit back and watch the situation first before I engage, because I want to like evaluate the whole situation. It was a long, it was a long time. Yes. Years. (laughs) Yes. it was. Talk about us right now. (laughs) Let's talk about it. Let's get this out. Yeah, it was. Um, but to be fair, I only saw you once a year. That's your <laughs> for a few days once a year. Does that it count? was for like a long weekend. Okay. But I also had little children and they are a big distraction. That's true. That's true. In fact, I would say they're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you want to have a productive day? Uh, you don't want to have a productive day, insert young children. Absolutely. But you so, got nothing to do, insert young children. <laughs> they will solve the problem for you. Yeah. Because the, the first time I met you, I was pregnant and I was exhausted by like 8.30 every night. I was like, I oh, can't yeah. go to bed. <laughs> and you would wake up really early. Because Liliana has always woken up early, like literally 6.30 in the morning. She doesn't really sleep past that. <laughs> Wow, ever? Not even no. when she's really tired? Um, so I have given her Benadryl on occasion and she might sleep until seven, like the first night. If I give her Benadryl two or three nights in a row, that is not going to continue. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. You don't want to be putting Benadryl to your kids all the time. You know, drugging drug them. Go to sleep, little baby. <laughs> I never gave her Benadryl just to go to sleep. I would give her Benadryl because she had a constant runny nose. Oh, did it help? I don't know. That's yeah. why I didn't give it to her for more than two or three days. Because I'm like, I don't even know if this is doing anything. <laughs> oh, and also with your with your therapy. So, you know how you uh, um, there's children therapy, adult therapy, teenage therapy, all the levels. Do you really recommend people having therapy as soon as possible, like really young age? I don't know. I'm not really the one to ask about that because kids aren't my jam. Um, When I did work with kids, which was very brief, I got the impression that your role was twofold. One, to give the kid a good experience so that they would be willing to go back to therapy later in life. Mm. And two, to play and try to teach them a couple things through play. So I do think that therapy can make a difference for kids. uh, But I don't really think that kids need to be in therapy ongoing because the the part of our brain where we can think about the fact that we're thinking doesn't really develop until like the teenage years. So oh. that 
is you're not going to have that, which is going to impede some of the progress that you can make. You can still teach them some things and some behaviors for sure, but like a deep conversation about your thoughts and your feelings and how to handle all of that, they're mm-hmm. not capable of all that. So they probably will need therapy again later is le- at least the way I thought about it. Um, <clears throat> and I, I did a presentation this week at a school and one of the girls asked me if I thought everybody needed therapy. And I was like, I mean, I'm biased, but yes, I do. <laughs> I yeah. do. And the reason for that is twofold. One, we are human, so we will never be perfect. Therefore, we will always have something we can work on. And number two, life is fucking hard. If you ask me, Sebastian thinks it's easy, but I think he's nuts. Uh-huh. Um, And so I think we need support through that sometimes. And so therapy does both of those things. Oh, I like it. My, um, my, one of my really good friends, we've been friends for almost freaking 20 years at this point. And I literally just got her into therapy. I've been trying for years and I just got her in. So she's been talking to me about, her therapy sessions and like her thoughts and feelings about it and stuff. And I freaking love every second of it, but it is kind of hilarious to me that I'm like, wow, it only took us 20 years to get here. (laughs) That is so funny. Well, well, the student shows up when the teacher is no, the teacher shows up when the student is ready. Oh, maybe that. Yeah. It just took her 20 years to realize I really do need this. This is going to make me, much happier in my life or maybe she just needed and I also believe in change um happens when something is too good not to change or mm. when something too painful and it has to change that's but if you're cool. that's a cool little theory you came up with but if you're in between I actually heard it from um I think his name's Warren Cortland Warren Court I forgot what his name is but he was a I was in a personal growth seminar and he taught that um Warren Cortland I don't know his name forgot that was like 20 years ago but uh that quote stuck with me and it it works because if you think about it if something's not that painful and also not that great you kind of stay the same you know have you noticed just you're just kind of like 20 years change there's no reason to change yeah it doesn't hurt that bad it's not that great why not just stick with it that's why so many people settle for so many things settle for jobs they settle for partners they settle for um plans they settle for housing they said whatever they settle for because it's like uh, okay you know there's a lot of times that happens i'm not saying all the time but um and it's happened with me too I, I remember being in a relationship for way too long because it was never that painful but it was never that happy so i was like but i went oh i feel bad i should just stay like he's not bad he hasn't hit me you know oh god yeah i I love when that's the standard by the way (laughs) i was gonna say i need to readjust my standards mine is physical abuse is (laughs) you're not alone in that a lot of people say stuff like that oh it's crazy so then the other end was it was great like we did stuff we traveled whatever but it just never was like oh my god i love you know i mean i didn't feel like giggly and and like a baby or anything that and um 
and it's what lasted like a two years almost. And then I think towards the end, I, I um, just realized that I actually started liking uh, somebody else. Mm. And I realized I liked that person. And I started being like really excited about what that person was excited about. And then like, you know, and then what I, and then I kind of fell into like an emotional, you know, cheating, like, Ooh, like just really wanting to, be, it's just really interested in this person. So for me, I think the change came when something was too good not to change. Like I was like, this is really messed up. I can't do this to this person. Let me go ahead and just break up so I could actually live this life that I want to live with the other person, you know? And, um, and yeah, I really think, and, and it sucks because, you know, we, we all look back and we go, that. I feel like that really applies to everybody in some situation. We could always I agree. I agree. I, I took a motivation class in college and yeah, I think they told us that like 80% of change happens because of pain. And like the other 20% is for like, maybe you see somebody else go through something. And so you're like, Oh, I shouldn't do that. Cause I saw this person go through it. Um, and then like, you're saying like, sort of like happy change like oh my god I lost weight and it felt so good so now I'm gonna work out forever (laughs) (laughs) or whatever but even that scenario that you just described I have seen happen and I have even sort of told clients like not that I want them to cheat but that like maybe you need motivation to leave this person like what is going on here (laughs) why are you staying and it's always like, well, he he isn't terrible or she or he isn't that terrible. And then it's like, it's been good. He or she has done so much for me. Why a lot people of- also don't realize what else is out there? I think that people tell themselves it doesn't get any better or it's all like this or it could be worse. You know, yeah. they, they can't imagine that there's actually a happy, healthy partner out there for them. Can you also say something about like, and I heard this quote, but I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but it's like, they said, you let that person go so that person can have a chance to find true happiness too. Because if you're not that happy, I don't know if that person is really that happy too. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Because even when people think that they're really happy in a relationship or they really want this person, what feels better is if we both want each other. That definitely feels better. Uh, But but we get very stuck as humans. We get very stuck. Yeah. And and I want to clarify what I didn't agree with because she was talking about firing her, um, firing like an employee. And Mm. she said the the reason why I don't ever feel guilty about it is because I'm letting my employee find a job that they agree that they're happy with. But then some parts of me feel guilty. Like, how about they're really happy, happy with this job? And now I just you know, now I just cut them off and now they can't pay rent or something, you know? So there is some guilt that I have that I go, oh, okay, I need to try to try to believe what, you know, believe that I am doing something good for this person so this person can find a better job or a better whatever. A better fit is the way I think about it. Just like the therapy thing. Like, if I'm not right for somebody, there may be a better fit out there for them. No matter what age yeah yeah because i've seen now there's a trend of having older and older divorces divorces are happening a lot older than they were um well, i feel like in the 20s there's a lot of divorces happening in the 20s like very or like they get married because of 
um, obligation or something, you know, whatever pressure, things like that. And then a couple of years or within within a couple of years, five years or less, there's a lot of divorces going on in the 20s. And then I think there's a rise in, I read this, a rise in divorces um, 50 and older. I would say that blows my mind and I'm not opposed to it in any way, but it does blow my mind because I'm like, really? You want to enter back out into the dating scene? But I think, and, and the other thought for me, and I'm not being critical. I hope, I hope that's clear, but like companionship is very important as humans, especially as we age and to think about potentially not having a companion through the end of life sounds pretty unappealing to me, but I'm guessing that like what you said, that being with this person is making me so miserable that I would rather be alone. It would at least be peaceful. So uh, I could see that mindset for sure. It just does seem like you, you'd you have to be really unhappy or really brave to get divorced that at that age. But also in that age, you're also assuming that it's harder to find a find a partnership. What if, you know, if there's a rising, you know, uh, rising amount of divorces in the older ages, also other people that's divorcing too, no? Yeah, that's true. And it's a very scarcity mentality of saying that, oh my God, we might be alone. And then they actually end up settling mm. more. You make a really good point there. And you know what? Fuck the scarcity mentality, because you're right. I mean, even if there's not a lot of people in your area, you could expand your search and go, you know, internationally if you need to, or mm. uh, nationally. And uh, who knows what that could bring for you. So that's a very solid point. Let me clarify on what my research, I knew I read this article. So basically it says, led by baby boomers, divorce rates climb for America's 50 plus population, and it's doubled since 1990s. And it was written in in 2017, so even more so now. Um, And it's called the gray divorce. (laughs) For people over 50. (laughs) How rude. It's so basically doubled, roughly doubled in the last 25 years. And they have, okay, so divorce, actually divorce rates between 25 years old to 39 years old has decreased 21%. So we're doing good. And between I mean, 40 people are 40, just like, hell, I'm not raising these kids by myself. Yeah, but, ugh, it's too hard. And then from 40 to 49, they're increased 14%. So not too much difference. It went from 18% to 21%. Um, and the 25 to 39 was 30, and then reduced to 24%. But the 50 plus increased 109%, went from 5% to 10% of all divorces oh, or okay. over 50. Yeah okay i think it it, it has to say with the change in lifestyles you know because people are moving in that house by then people are right like you're 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 having empty nest syndrome probably around that eight those ages i'm sure there's a whole variety of factors and i think uh i don't know what's i'm not that far into my relationships so i can't speak to anything really but I (laughs) think I I think it's becoming more socially acceptable to have 
serial monogamy as opposed to monogamy for life. At, at least that's the way it seems to me. Uh, you know, two and three partners in a lifetime is not unusual. Yeah. Long-term I, partners, I should say. True. And I think in their case with the, um, they've only had really one partner their entire life. Ooh. And then also you have a lot more options, right? Like net before, if you think about it, wouldn't like wasn't life so much easier? You only had a telephone and no caller ID. What's white I don't even know the white pages were available and no online dating, no nothing. So like you just went to your job and you came home, went to your job, came home. So you didn't really meet anybody that but you're outside of work at home. So maybe your options were less. Now there's internet, so you could just go boop, 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 you know, and then find like thousands of people. Well, I remember, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember when Facebook kind of became accessible to the public, it was like all there was, there was a lot of talk and it was causing a lot of divorce because people finally had a way to get in touch with the people that they grew up with or the people that they went to high school with that crushed that they had no way of communicating with because they moved or whatever. And so all of a sudden they were getting on Facebook and starting all these conversations up with old flames and divorces were happening left and right. And in fact, one of my friends, um, I just reconnected with her from high school and I met her husband for the first time. And he told me that he is not, that he does not have a Facebook because he thinks that Facebook, it like leads to cheating. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) So I was like, yep, I understand why he thinks that because I remember when that happened. And I think that now it's like, yeah, we have access to all these people now. So it's not as much of a reason for divorce anymore. I don't think. Um, but yeah, I don't know the statistics. We should ask. Yeah, we should. Well, I just don't know. I, I I wonder why people, some people are born with, you know, that really want commitment and would stay and then versus other people are, are more loose about it. You know, like, no, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to, you know, maybe it just has, maybe there's no answer to that. Right. Nurture nature every single experience that is so unique from each other. Well, I'm sure the pros would say that it has something to do with attachment theory and like attachment styles. And if essentially like if your parents were attuned to your needs when you were a baby, then you, uh, that determines whether or not you have healthy attachment. And if you have healthy attachment, you're more likely to um, be, to thrive in monogamous relationships. If you didn't oh. have healthy attachment for whatever reason, then you're more likely to um, struggle in relationships and maybe even be more interested in um, open relationships and stuff like that. So um, I'm pretty sure that's what the experts would say, but I'm I'm with you that I feel like all of your life experiences and all of these things play into it. And so is it really just that cut and dry? Mm -hmm. I also think sex addiction sometimes plays a role in um, people's motivation to be in 
open relationships or whatever. I think there's a lot of different factors. Yeah, and also the concept of open relationship. That maybe I'm totally naive or conservative on this. Um, I, I, I want to say I'm naive. I don't know how long it's been around. Has it been around always? Like have have that concept been uh just been around all the time? But I haven't been familiar with it until I was older. Or has it just been more popular nowadays? I think we have more access to more information now than ever, but yeah, I think it's probably something that's always existed. But maybe harder to do. I think nowadays the open relationship is probably easier to do since you have more access, right? Yeah, and you, it's easier to find people. Like, um, I forget who was telling me. It was one of my clients. They were talking about if you get on this one app and I don't even remember what it is, she's like a lot of the people on there are just looking for a third for their relationship, like someone to have a threesome with or someone to be oh. their girlfriend on the, like their side girlfriend kind of thing. But accept it like, like, uh, like they wrote by- it in their profile. Like that was like oh. what they're looking for. And I was like, really? That's so interesting. So I thought for the longest time I would be, okay with like threesomes or 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 open relationship or stuff like that because there's a lot of relationship where I go ah you know this person's great xyz but that b is missing you know or something right <laughs> I, I that was really great setup but I didn't even I didn't purposely even like emphasize on a d for the reason for that but that's perfect perfectly yeah. said I pat myself back um but uh but yeah, so, but now I'm in a relationship where I go, oh, oh yeah, I would feel way too jealous if it was open relationship or I, I would feel really uncomfortable if it was. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I think sure the level it. of connection matters, all of that. And also it changes and and just because you like something when you were younger doesn't mean you're going to like it now. And I think that it goes when it comes to taste buds, when it comes to partnership, when it comes to needs and wants and desires. I think that constantly changes. The other thing I've heard from people a lot, and I think actually the first place I heard it was Miley Cyrus. So clearly, (laughs) clearly it's a fact. I like. But I remember her saying that she doesn't like to describe herself as gay or straight or bi or anything because she just likes people and she finds that she has a connection with certain people. And I have heard clients say that too, where it's like they don't necessarily consider themselves gay because they never liked a person of the same sex until they met this one person. Mm. And uh so I think that that may be a factor as well that like we feel differently about certain people that maybe you could be in an open relationship with somebody else but yeah. with this partner you don't feel that way That's true I do agree with that and I was explained a long time ago um from this guy that was bisexual and I was thinking uh i was like okay so bisexual and i and i was like how did you know did you start just liking both sexes or did you crush on both so what do you do he said yeah what i prioritize in my life is um not gender i prioritize connection first 
Then I look at the gender. Some people, you know, like heterosexuals or whatnot, they prioritize gender before they start looking at um, connection. Because if they are connected to a person, but they're not in the gender that they're attracted to, then they zone them as a friend. And he's like, bisexuals don't have that uh, zoning a friend because anybody could be dating. Anybody could be a friend. It isn't like friend or not. It's like, do we have a connection? And then we go from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that a lot of people feel that way. I I mean, there's a lot of names for sexuality now. I don't even know all of them. There's some that are like, I'm only attracted to people's intelligence or um, I'm, I don't even know. I can't even explain all of them. But mm. uh, but we've had, we have like 50 categories now. And I kind of wish that we would go to like a percentage where you just say like, yeah, I'm like 20% attracted. <laughs> That's just easier for me to process. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, but I guess it's kind of hard to categorize it that way either. If if you're saying like, no, what I'm attracted to is intelligence. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or trans, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's an easy solution. We might have to memorize all 20 fucking categories. <laughs> Maybe. But, but I understand them in a way because I'm heterosexual. So I understand it in a way of race because I don't really date somebody specifically for a race. So I do... I do look at them. I look at gender first, I guess, you know, because I am, I, I, I date, uh, you know, men that identify with the pronouns he or him. And I would date, I would, after that, choose connection. And then I would choose race. So I could understand that in the race term, you know, like I just see, do we have a connection? Not, is that guy black? Is that guy white? Is that guy Asian? Is that guy Latino? I don't, yeah. or brown or whatever, right? So I don't have a, let me choose the race and then choose connection after. I don't have a list of of, of um needs needs before connection. A See, long I wasn't list. even thinking about race, and now you add that in here. We got a fucking new category, Julie. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's just a list of. Oops, but you know what I mean. Yeah, Anyways. I do know what you mean. Yeah, but and that is a good point, and that's a a good way to relate too. Um. Man, we just went like, <laughs> I know. I think we didn't talk talk about anything we wanted to talk about today, but I felt like today was a good combo. And I want to thank, yeah, thank our listener. We had one really sweet comment, um, and she told Alicia, she's like, "Oh, last week's episode was by far my your best." She's like, "Aw, that was so sweet." Yeah, so thank sweet. you. You guys uh, made our day. And yes, that was really sweet. So yeah, we'll just have to save our topic um, for next time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't remember anymore. <laughs> That's we how just... off the cuff we are, you know? We're actually real authentic off the cuff. We don't edit any of this. Yeah, that's probably off. <laughs> that, uh, that's, I know, that might be a problem. <laughs> a years from now when we're canceled, we're like, we should have edited it, damn it. <laughs> we should have edited this. Um. We were going to talk about uh, sort of like the chaos in the world and how that's like bothering people um, and how there's many levels of the chaos in the world. But but we I'm sure that the world's not going to stop being chaotic. So I'm sure we could talk about that next time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be long lists of things that are very bothersome, you know, and at the yeah. end of the day, we'll try to focus on not your 
monkey's not your circus. But then it was like, but what about those people are how sad or blah blah, you guys are heartless. So that's what I want you to think about too. Like, do you feel heartless if you're not paying attention to it or you're not looking at your lack caring or you're not, you know, letting it bother you? All the chaos? Yeah. I think, well, first of all, I think that the reason a lot of the chaos bothers people isn't necessarily because other people are suffering. It's because people worry about what that will mean for them. Um, And I'm not saying that in a critical way. And of course, that's not the, the truth for everyone. But I that's humans, like we're survivors. So we have to think about our survival first. Um, so it makes sense that people would think that way. And then second of all, I think, uh, I think that we all have different capacities to care or worry about what's happening elsewhere. So I think different people feel differently about it. Some, some people like one of my clients was telling me this week that her mom has the next door app. Do you know what that is? Yeah. 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 Okay. So she was upset because every time she got on her next door app, it was telling her all the drama of like her whole area. And Mm -hmm. she did not want all the drama of her whole area because it was too much for her. So she narrowed, (laughs) narrowed the radius or whatever it is that, um, that she can see. So now she only sees her neighborhood. And she doesn't watch the news, nothing. Like, this is all the information that she's getting is her neighborhood. That's it. And my client was kind of, like, laughing about it because if she tries to talk to her mom about things, her mom is like, you know I don't know anything about that. (laughs) That's true. So, for example, that woman has, like, no capacity to think about what's happening elsewhere. She's like, absolutely not. I'm going to focus right here this neighborhood what i do honestly i want to give her kudos because at least she's mindful enough to say i can't handle this i'm gonna just do this like for me personally i want to relate to this lady i don't do social media because i know i can't handle the comments i can't handle i can't handle the need for acceptance because i'm such a piece of people pleaser so i want to be accepted by all these strangers and the speed of likes are going to determine how happy i am that day you know i have very weak weak self-esteem <laughs> clearly and so i know that so mindfully i go okay i'm not i can't handle it so i don't i'm, I'm not on it you know yeah so understand that and i don't think i don't think there's any hate on that honestly like i kudos kudos woman yeah, I don't have any hate for it either. Um, because like I said, I think everybody has a different capacity to care and to to mm-hmm. be concerned and to think about it. And I don't even think that it necessarily means they don't care. I think it means that they maybe would care too much. You know, mm-hmm. like if I think about that too much, it's going to really upset me. So I can't, I don't want to go there. And I don't have what any problem with that. And what can you do about it now? Like, you know, uh, chaos happening all over the world. What can you do today to make yourself better about it? How can you help something or someone involved? Maybe that might help you. You know what I mean? There are like um, Red Cross relief if you want to donate and that makes you feel better. And you feel like you're, you know, putting towards that goal of um, peace 
whatever you're looking for. Um, but if that doesn't do that, anything, there's a lot of other things where you could do. I think um, you could also donate other things that donate to not specific Red Cross, but to to other voluntary volunteer groups. Um, or you could fly over there yourself. Or you could, you I mean the the list goes on. That's extreme. But like, there's a list goes on, and like, instead of feeling like, oh my god, I feel so helpless, I can't do anything. So, be helpful. There's a lot of organizations that help. Or um, decide what is it that really bothers you about this. Mm. Mm. Is there something beyond this thing? Does it ring? Because in, in um, Deepak Chopra says usually the thing that annoys you, it's the thing that annoys or annoys you about someone is because it annoys you about yourself. Because it's it's irritating the part of the mirror that you don't want to see. So yeah, when I know I've heard that before, but I think the one that made the most sense to me was that it's either something you've struggled with or something that you've overcome. And that made more sense to me because uh, if you've already overcome it, then it's annoying watching it in somebody else. Or if you already overcome it, wouldn't you have the empathy and compassion for like, I remember how I felt about that. Oh, that sucks. If you're still annoyed about it, does this, have you really gone over it? Could that be an issue? Mm, that's a good question. Well, you know, we're not all the same level of empathetic, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. or, or there's different levels of over it, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you so know the, like, because I think we talked before about how on some level, you're never really over your trauma. You're never really mm -hmm. over your grief. Those are mm -hmm. things that just kind of live with you and you learn how to live with them. Mm. Mm. You said a lot of times, but today it rang, it rang differently. <laughs> you know, crazy that literally you could be saying the same things over and over. And there's, and on this podcast, especially people, uh, I was thinking about why did we start this podcast, right? There's so many podcasts that help, da, da, da. But it's like, there's millions of people out there and millions of ways that people learn. And mm -hmm. some people might learn from a, from a Tony Robbins, from an Oprah, from a, Alicia and Julie podcast, whatever it is, you know, because so someone's going to speak. It, everybody has a lot of people have the same message, but the way they they deliver the message counts because the receiver is going to be more familiar or relate to the method of delivery um, rather than the, than the actual message. Yeah, well, and we need to hear messages on repeat like if I, I luckily burned a lot of my journals from before, but why? because I started getting paranoid that someone was going to read them. And I was like, like, oh God, I don't want anybody ever reading this shit. Um, but what, when I did have all of them, cause at some point I was like hoarding them and I would go back and look at them. I struggled with the same shit over and over <laughs> again. So I was like, why the fuck is this still a, like an ongoing issue? Um, and I, I think that that's how a lot of humans operate, that we have certain things that we struggle with over and over again. And so therefore we need to hear the same things over and over again, so mm -hmm. that eventually, hopefully it'll click. And the way I describe it is moving from your conscious mind into your unconscious mind so that it becomes part of your automated way of being. Um, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of repetition, I think, for things to do that. 
Now, oh. with hypnosis and EMDR and things like that, they say that you get there faster. But uh, I don't know. There's a lot of things that have taken me a really long time to get to. Yeah. I think when I took ayahuasca, it did speed up my level of therapy. They say it's like 700 hours of therapy in one ayahuasca trip, which I agree with because mine was very positive. But I also think when people have bad trips or whatever it is on that, um, you know, it's, it just depends on your tunnel. Like I picture trauma looking like a tunnel at the end of the tunnel there's light right so light at the end of the tunnel some people's tunnels are really crazy deep rugged um long and miles long and pitch black animals right yeah yeah all that stuff right but some people's tunnel is very short and sweet and swift mm -hmm. and then the light is very bright it's, it's, it's just it just depends on everybody's different tunnels so i feel like if someone had a bad trip on it they went through it, but they couldn't get to the other side yet. And they need, maybe they need more and more practice to get there. Um, but I'm, I'm biased. I really believe in plant medicine. And oh, uh, there's more and more research about this stuff. I think in the next 10 years, it's going to definitely be more of a thing. Mm -hmm. I really believe in it. I think it's everything. Yeah. There's um, the, one of the psychiatrists, that I work with was telling me that he, that next year they're supposed to approve MDMA to treat um, trauma. Wow. And obviously there's a lot of movement around psilocybin mushrooms. And mm -hmm. I don't know that anybody's quite gone there with um, more of the existential hallucinogens like ayahuasca. And I don't know, I don't know of it, but I know that lots mm -hmm. of, people are talking about it. Lots of celebrities have done it. Lots mm -hmm. of people are talking about their experiences. So I think that it's going to be more of a thing for sure. I think so. I, because it's kind of like, um, when you are, and I see it as when people are like, Oh, it's all into drugs or whatever. Right? It's just too much. It depends. It's basically, if you see it as a runner today, let's say a, a, a runner one runner is wearing baggy clothes and um but trained like runner one and runner two they train the same time they train what the first runner has to just wear baggy clothes or whatever clothes doesn't matter the second runner wears the you know really advanced um tight you know uh wind uh, um resistant blah 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 to clothes and then the the shoes that track the treads you know treads on the floor well and blah blah all this stuff and they're both kind of deemed to be similar runners one person's gonna take a little longer to get to the finish line just because um they're gonna get there anyway and there's not, it's not a problem they can get there it's just gonna take a little longer and what i believe that plant medicine or other kinds of um other types of medication that can get you faster it's basically just that it's an enhanced um clothing or enhanced uh factors that just get you closer to uh, get you faster to the finish line but you don't yeah. need it so don't feel obligated that like oh my god i only could get a breakthrough if i do have that um ayahuasca no that's not true you don't need any drugs to do it and your aha moments and your life-changing moments can happen at any time and if you're you continue to work on yourself it will happen yeah i was talking to, to a guy who um is really into all of that stuff 
and like follows shamans from the Amazon around the U.S. to have these what? ceremonies with him with them. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me that you actually have to be very careful going straight to ayahuasca because after ayahuasca, you have to reintegrate yourself. And if you don't do it properly, you can kind of mess yourself up. And I don't know, obviously I haven't done anything like that. um, And I don't have any experiences other than what I've heard from clients and media. Um, But he said that he thinks that there are things you need to do to prepare yourself to be on ayahuasca and other experiences that you should have before you try ayahuasca. And um, another one of my clients told me that she saw somebody who was doing like a frog poison And I guess that Uh, frog poison is something that can prepare you for ayahuasca. But she said just doing the frog poison, this lady gave her like packets of information about like how to prepare beforehand and how to handle yourself afterwards. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. But I didn't realize that it was that serious. I'm using air quotes. Um, To me, it seemed like it was just like a fun drug thing to do. (laughs) And apparently it's like more than that. Yeah, people do a lot of things to prepare for. I thought that uh, I thought the frog poison is called bufo, and I thought that was stronger than ayahuasca. So that's weird that she said you take that to prepare for that. It I was thought it's called combo, com oh combo something like that. But please do all this with caution and do your research and make sure you're checking up on um you know legitimate people because there's a lot of things that could happen that um because when you're when you're under the influence you lose a lot of control too yeah definitely want to do your research make sure you feel safe and you know maybe bring a friend i don't know yeah (laughs) yeah there's so many oh my god i uh, i need to start asking people because there's so many people recently that have been doing it i would love them to be on this podcast and share um i would love to hear their experiences yeah let's try to get some guests on this show heck yeah one of the things that intrigues me about the experiences that people have on these substances is the idea of consciousness existing outside of the body. And that's what a lot of people say that they experience their their consciousness sort of like traveling, I guess you could say. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I am very interested in that. I like to hear all the stories about it. You to do it. All right, cool. So we just identified two new directions (laughs) for ourselves we're so hilarious all right well hopefully we said something useful today guys thanks for coming along this journey with us yet again thanks